Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the practitioner community. Hey, it's Chris Tancy. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am joined with my faithful and apparently uber popular pink app <laughs> celebrity, Troy Dumoulay. Troy, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you doing? So, Pink, uh, Paul, Pink, Paul, uh, Mr. Dumoulay, I got stats from Pink App, and the number one most listened to show of all time was episode seven of Practitioner Radio. Uh, way way beyond any other show Pink does. What happened on episode seven, Troy, in your opinion, uh, that was so crazy or so interesting? Wasn't that the service catalog session? No. Yeah, I think it was. Yep. Does my mind uh, go back that far? Yeah, that's the big question right now, right? Service management, service definition. It's all about the service, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was the show. Actually, that was, I, I'm wrong. That looks like it was Jack's visit. No, we talked about Jack's visit. You're right. That was service catalog. And that Thunderbolt tip was everyone has a service catalog. It's either a rather large line item on your customer P&L or it's some declared value description of the services you provide for the money you provide each year. Which kind of catalog do you want? You know, I, I'm thinking now the popularity is strictly surrounded around that tongue-tying <laughs> version of the Thunderbolt tip. But it's powerful. you got to admit well, that's why it's a thunderbolt tip. I mean, we even have a lightning bolt in in the hand. All right, enough of this. So, so Troy, once again, I don't know what the attraction is with you, but people seem to like you. All right, we like to have guests, Troy, don't we? Absolutely, love guests. I mean, the little tea party you and I throw is nice, but it's never as fun with without you know someone. And and I, the guest today is is as multifaceted as as our other guest. We have Mister Martin. Herb on the phone. Martin, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Now, Martin, I've said this to you before. For those of you who don't know Martin, I'll put a picture in the show notes. Martin is as close to what a person would look like if we still put people on money here in the United States. <laughs> I can see your face on a bill, yeah, Martin. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. a great yeah. idea. <laughs> we'll put, we, we have pink money, right? Literally, every avatar he has, he looks like he belongs on a bill of some type. And probably the 50 I see him on. Mm, 50. I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take it. Uh, Martin, we have a situation. Some might even say we have an event. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is, is it an alert or an event? I, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. But today... Today, before we even get to the show, today's show is about event management. And uh, Martin, I'm sure you're a rabid fan who listens every week. Uh, you know that I don't know much. Oh, you play that role well. I'll say that. He, yeah, he pretends that role. Or whatever. So, uh, so you know, I, I get to ask you all the questions that like somebody who wanted to ask a, a highly uh, skilled uh, consultant and trainer, uh, th- those are the types of questions I get to ask you. So on event management, let, let's just cut right into this. Um, is it a process? Because I've heard through the years, sometimes we say event management, the event management process. So what is it? Well, we have to call it a process because ITIL does, mm-hmm. but there's uh, actually a two key parts of event management. But let's make sure we know what an event is. An event is not where you uh, rent the tent and the band mm-hmm. and get the caterer to come in. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that is not that kind of event. There's lots of people who do that and they do it really well, but that's not what we're talking about here. An event planner. 
That's right. Mm. Now, this is not uh, where you hire the wedding singer. No, we. Uh, this is when something happens, actually, and it can be good and it can be bad. It's a thing that happens in time that you need to know about. So can events be planned or, or that goes against the very concept of event when it comes to ITIL? Actually, an event can't be planned, but you can have a plan for what you do when the event happens. And that's really, really important. That's a strategic, strategic thing there. You need to say that one more time. Events in ITIL aren't planned, but your reaction to the event is. Right. There's a couple of things you do in event management, and one of them is plan and know exactly what's going to happen when that event happens, what you're going to do about it. And the other is you constantly poll and you're looking in your environment for things that are happening that you didn't expect to happen. And you put them in the queue to get planned for. That sounds like something the problem manager does. It's similar. The problem manager actually deals with the results of, you know, whatever's gone wrong. Now talk, Martin, 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 or come on, don't let me down. You know I'm slow. Okay. Now, what do okay. you mean the problem manager deals with the results? What does that mean? Remember, incidents and problems are usually the collection of the symptoms, and you're looking for root cause, especially in problem management. Mm-hmm. And that may actually be greatly aided by the events you've been capturing in your event management environment. Yeah, I see. So so the the event is the collection of, or sorry, the problem management is the collection of the butterflies and the event is the actual examination of the butterflies? What are that? Re- I have that reversed. Um, I'm trying to follow the analogy here, Chris. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't the butterfly net be the event, but then someone would look and see what kind of butterflies I've got in the uh, net? And, there you go. You know. yeah, the, yeah, the monitoring systems could be the net. They, they're, they're obs- you know, they gather up all the events, right? And and in problem management, you put them together and you're looking through them because something happened, right? Not, not just for interest's sake, right? You're, that, that's something that the sysadmins might do. But in problem management, you have something where a service actually stopped working, right? Or it was degraded or something big happened. And so you're going back and looking for, so what was going on in the technical world and even in the application world or maybe even in the business world that – caused this thing. It's, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to go back to the tsunami, but well, we know the earthquake caused it. We don't really know what causes earthquakes except plates moving around, right? Right. But you might have events that are signals that that could happen. And so you want to capture those and you know what you're going to do. You're going to sound the alarm, right? So the, the tsunami, obviously, I, and we're not making light of the situation in Japan. And I oh, no. Oh, no. Most people know that, but I think it, the analogy works and I, it'll help me understand. Mm-hmm. So, Mm-hmm. You said the symptoms were there. Uh, maybe it was a shift in tide or shrimp dying or something mm-hmm. before the actual mm-hmm. um, uh, earthquake itself. In that analogy, I can actually get my head around that. Where? What is the problem and what would be the problem manager's role in, in what happened and what would actually be the event? Well, this is an interesting problem management example because you certainly aren't going to initiate a project to stop earthquakes from happening. Right, you can't eliminate the root cause. You can only optimize the response. Interesting, yeah. Right, but you could, you know, for this proactive and reactive problem management in this case, yeah. proactive might be able to say, "I see evidence that there's something there. I might want to plan for." Yep. Reactive problem management says, "And let's our do our, our lessons learned after this terrible event. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we build buildings better next time?" So there's kind of a kind of a knowledge outcome out of that. Yeah, that's a good example, Troy. Uh, another one is, for instance, what they've done in Southern California, where they have these lasers pointing at each other, right, in various parts of the on either side of the San Andreas Fault and some of the others. And if they lose contact with each other, they know stuff has moved. 
right? Mm. And so they're constantly monitoring where they are down to very, very small movements because very tiny movements indicate there's a big one coming. Mm. And so it also helps you know what to look for. What, if, what, what instrumentation can we add to the environment to help us see this coming? If we can't stop it, what can we do to be as prepared as possible? So those incidents that happen in the environment that dictate something is coming, I, God, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. Are those the events or uh, is the event the event? We just crossed two words there. Let's be careful. Yeah, I, mean, I am. I'm trying to really yeah, dance yeah, yeah, on Yeah, that's it. right. The, the, yeah, that, the good dancing. Um, Thanks. They're not incidents yet. They're just events. They're just an observation of an anomaly, okay, of a change in the environment. We tend to think of the changes and what makes it constitute actually being an event is that it changed from a desirable state to an undesirable state or the other way. So a little shake at breakfast isn't really an incident. It's just uh, an event. That's right. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have my my cereal spill. But I, I like what Martin said there. Um Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin breakfast story. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Martin said something, and, and this is what I love about practitioner radio. Martin said, and Martin, I'm going to paraphrase, don't beat me up. Martin <laughs> says, one of the ways that we can kind of litmus test an event is whether something changed from desirable to undesirable or desirable to, to or re, in reverse. Mm-hmm. So is, is that, can I, can I take that to, to, to school? Is that a good statement? Yeah, you can take it to school, but what we just entered was the area of where do you set the thresholds, right? Right. So how do you define where that boundary is between acceptable and unacceptable? One thing that really helps is things like service level agreements, right? Mm. Except that service level agreements tend to say, how are things over 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year, right? A week, a day. Mm. Uh, Events are at a point in time. So you have to change your thinking about it to say, okay, in the last three seconds, how significant a move do we need to have in order to say, oh, we got to do something. Or, hey, it used to be busted and it's not. It's working now. Hmm. Yeah, you, you know, you can even extend this because you got that threshold from event to incident, desirable to undesirable. But there's another threshold above that from incident to crisis for IT service continuity, right? It's another show, but you have thresholds that kind of define action at various levels. Exactly. So w- once you see what type of event you've got, the planned response includes, okay, if it went from 8 to 11 – it crossed the threshold. It's only a warning. We're not in big trouble. If it went from 8 to 73, crisis, right? It's now a, a very high-impact incident. For, for, us, for us folks in the world uh, who are a little bit slower, uh, I like the way you phrased that. I can't remember which one of you said it, but you said below an incident, uh, you have the ev- an event which then mm-hmm. could trigger – an incident based on, if we've used things like service level agreement or some, just the idea from desirable to undesirable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess, do people ever look at um, event, incident, problem, all the way up to what Charlie just said, crisis, do they ever look at them as an, as serial type activities? They can be, in, in, they can occur in series. Uh, sometimes it mm-hmm. escalates so fast you can't really tell, it just looks like one big step. Right. But uh, they often do accumulate, mm-hmm. and this is one of the advantages of event management. The sooner you know you've got something going wrong, right, the sooner you can get right to it. And one of the wonderful things about merging and integrating event management and incident management, I don't want to merge them, I want to integrate them, um, is that you can get work going on incidents with knowledge of where the problem, I'm sorry, the breakdown is most likely to have actually occurred right at the time you're finding out you have an incident. 
So you can get started very close to the source right off the bat. So I've I've collected incidents, at, you know, in my little world of consulting for years. Um, where do you collect events? Ah, an event collector. Okay, now we're starting to talking a little bit more about the technology and the instrumentation. Okay, so this is a technology question? Uh, it, it becomes one rather quickly, yep, because okay, in a large okay. environment, you can have millions of events in a day. Yep, they had look at pink. <laughs> right. We might be a bit more modest in millions, but okay, we can have our days. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like it. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, okay. Another show, Martin. Yep, yep. So it's, a, so it's a technology question. So you have an event collector. Would that be the same tool that you put your incidents and everything else in? Or are there people out there who make just event collection? Is it different than network monitoring? I mean, help me. It's related to network monitoring and things like that, system monitoring, mm-hmm. app monitoring. It's the mm-hmm. it's the point to which all the instrumentation feeds its information. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you're running, you know, open view on one set of stuff and you've got some BMC patrol stuff someplace else and you have, um, I don't know, there used to be Mercury, there used to be Freshwater, there are all these companies. You know, Tivoli, yeah. Tivoli, yeah. I mean, the CA, all these guys, and, and we've just named, put the big names. There's lots and lots of lots of element managers out there. You mm-hmm. aggregate. It's really important and very, very helpful to aggregate all those things in one place mm. and to have them all, if they're not delivered in the same format, transformed into the same format and enriched mm. in the process into a common event format. You're talking about mom. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, you can call it a manager of managers or a monitor of monitors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the concept, uh, Martin, that it gets – homogenized into something no matter where it's coming from it's the purpose of that homogenization of that data so that a human or or a program can more easily detect patterns or what's the purpose of that homogenization that's part of it yep mm-hmm. it's also it also helps you get things into a place where you can automatically link it to the action that's supposed to happen mm. automatically initiate an incident automatically notify the right technical people the right people on the business side mm. this is where you get that time saving and this time saving on incident response is extremely valuable. And I actually now see the difference between where I started with, well, event versus problem. And now it's much clearer. Yeah. Right. Now, now let me say that I'm not a big fan of alerting right off the event that is notifying the technician that something has happened without having an incident opened. Mm. But mm. a lot of organizations can actually, you can finesse that a little bit by going ahead and letting the technician know at the same time, the event management system and the incident system are talking to each other. Event says, I have this thing which is supposed to open an incident of this type. Open it for me. Incident system comes back and says, hey, that event number, here's your incident number. And the technician now knows what incident they're working on. Right. Martin, are you a movie buff or movie fan? Uh, probably not near as much as you are, Chris. Oh, no. Did you? Do you remember Minority Report? Nah. Sorry. It was a Tom Hanks movie and they were they actually had this concept of pre-crime and and they had these three individuals oh, yeah. that actually could see the future and see crimes that were going to happen mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. and then they would actually detect an algorithm and then say boom and then say there's going to be a crime and then once they had enough the three of them lined up enough so it's almost like incidents are precognitive, I'm sorry, events are precog incidents. Exactly right. And one of the nice things about the other events I've been talking about, not the, not the ones where things go from bad, from good to bad, but back the other way, this tells the technician and everybody else, hey, bang, 
it seems to be working now. Can you give me an example of a good event? Sure. Uh, your file space is 90% full. Mm. Okay. Got to hurry up and take care of it. Mm. Uh-oh, it's 95. Escalate the incident, right? Mm. Oh, it's gone back down to 60. Everything's fine. Yeah. We put thresholds in place to basically avoid the incident, right? Kind of, we try to try to put these thresholds of we should watch this, but hit nothing's bad yet. That undesirable state hasn't occurred, but we've given ourselves some buffer space. Yes. Uh, l- let me be a little bit cautious here and say that In the definition of incident, particularly in the space where you're issuing an alert that says, you know, we're not dead yet, but we could get wounded real soon if we're not careful, is that we have exceeded, we we have an exception to the expected level of service to use the old V2 definition. And the exception in this case includes the level of risk we're willing to tolerate. Mm. So we're outside the risk envelope. That's a, that's a, that's that, that's a biggie. Yeah, because Troy and I talk a lot about risk. Yeah, yeah, that that that's a big one. It's very important. We're outside our comfort zone. That counts. Because it, it, it because you want no events to fire that are not actionable. They are only actionable if you know what they are in advance. And this is where desirable really is in the eye of the beholder, right? Every organization can have their own definition of what is a, too much risk. Yep. In fact, you might even scale that differently for business critical services versus non, right? You might put your mm-hmm. thresholds in different places before you call it an incident. Sure. Even by time of day, you could vary it if you needed to. And this seems this seems very easy to do when I think about my consumer experiences. My cable going out is undesirable and needs to be fixed immediately. Mm-hmm. I have no warning. It just happens. Mm-hmm. But when you get into a business and you use the term business critical services and risk, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't want to say it's objective, but isn't it objective or not objective, um, subjective? What M- Mushy. <laughs> you consider business critical. These are a lot, a lot of meetings that would have to happen. Actually, well, okay. It helps if you have uh, business criticality levels already assigned in your organization. We've never done that one on the show. No, that's that's a service continuity session coming up. Ugh, killing me. Hey, but let me tell you, this is valuable stuff because once you've done that, a lot of arguments just fall away Mm. about whether this service deserves it or not. You had that argument back when you set the business criticality level. Troy, that's the next show then. If we could have a a show where arguments fall away, that's the next show. Yep. All right. So that can help you know, that that gives you a, a... Pretty good direction of what severity or priority incident you should open or what the impact is, right? Right. Uh, And so that helps you. You're presenting canned incidents directly in incident management. No human beings taking a call. Mm. As a matter of fact, one of the beauties of this is if you've got event correctly integrating with incident management, the notice to the business gets to them about the same time the screens freeze. Yeah, I would think that you could almost, since you talked about pre-canned incidents, that maybe the incident tool could almost do a good job on that homogenization process you talked about. That's part. That's part of the homo- That's part of the, one of the outcomes of it. Is it comes in and says, "Oh, we know what this one is. We open an incident of this type against that service, and we dispatch this team." If you're really, really slick and your change management change management permits it, the system can even automatically correct. Yeah, self healing. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, self healing is autonomic computing is uh, that's pretty slick stuff. And you got to be very, very careful about unintended consequences when you start launching that kind of thing. Well, let me give you an example, a good example. Like, you know, we're talking about cloud a lot of these days. And one of the benefits of cloud is elastic capacity, you know, dynamic capacity. Mm-hmm. So you're, you have an immediate need because of an up surge in service, you know, requirements, your, your cloud can expand that capacity based on either CPU or storage or whatever that you're expanding and then bring it back again mm-hmm. when the uh, demand goes down. Yep. So that all has to be linked, the event to the incident to the capacity management and they self-heal and it restores. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, I, 
I hate to say this, but I'm starting to figure out why you guys are the ITIL experts. <laughs> well, this is just IT management stuff, right? Yeah, this this is old stuff. Actually, it used to happen on the mainframe all the time, but don't tell anybody. Martin Mar- Martin was there. Well, he's, he's on the money. We know he was there. Uh, he's been around for a long time. Um, if you weren't listening in the beginning of the show, this that's what you get. So there you go. Um, so this event, where and how does someone actually, if they wanted to get more in, because we try to keep our shows, you know, relatively short, Martin. I mean, where do you go to keep on the latest technologies and information about event management? I mean, we teach it in the classes and stuff, but if I wanted to become the event manager guru for the entire industry, what types of stuff would you do and learn and where would you go? Wow. Um, it's an area that I actually thought when I was first learning about it, everybody already knew about. Mm. And it turned out nobody did because yeah. mostly the vendors drive this and it's usually technology specific. Mm. So getting, uh, this is why companies like CA and HP and BMC, uh, because they had a need to be able to try to run the entire data center, mm. started offering tools that were generic enough that everything could plug into it. Uh, I actually did this with uh, uh, one of those vendors and uh, not for them, but using their tools and was phenomenally successful to the point that we saved tens of millions of dollars a year for the company simply by having this integration in place and reducing the amount of downtime and reducing the time required to do problem management, improving change management because you knew a lot more about what could go wrong. Exactly. I mean, this this concept event really makes incident and problem a, a much easier life. But yet, I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. It's it's um, it's it's the intersection of IT service management and technical wherewithal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the problem. Because as soon as you have that intersection, money comes into play. Well, not just that, Chris. One of the biggest resistance points on event management and integrating it with incident management was getting the technicians to uh, to be willing to expose all their events. Mm, ego. Well, yeah, everything's fine over here. Oh, no, 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 no. Everything, we're going, we're, but I need five more people. Wait a minute. Everything's fine and you need more people? This doesn't make sense. In my experience, though, is many companies buy these great sophisticated tools and they don't really know what to do with them. They just watch green, yellow, red lights flash and they're not sure what to do. Yes. And how to how to filter events and what to do with yeah, them. It's like when you got your first VCR. It was all you really wanted to do was one thing, but you bought one that had timing and everything. And you ended up with something that just blinked. You're a 12 o'clock binker. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how do I change? That, that's what black tape is time? for. No, no, that's what the black tape is for. Oh. Okay. Um, Black so, tape. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, the 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 difficulty is people buy these tools with great with great ideas about what they're going to do with it, but they don't have a method for defining the events in advance and actually ensuring that the only thing that shows up in the incident is actionable. And that was the key that we used in, in my success story. And that's where the process comes in. Certain events come to incident. Other events get correlated for problem management feed. Other events might indicate the need to change either pre-approved self-provision one or something that gets, you know, humanly blessed. In fact, uh, the other aspect we haven't even talked about is security. You know, events simply have to be logged sometimes to go back from a log perspective to see who's who's accessing what. Yeah, and you don't actually, you, you keep all the events you get, even the ones that you didn't expect, and you keep looking at what you're getting that you didn't expect and find out, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that one looks like it's something we should be worrying about. So you, so you, you can have, you can actually log non-events. Oh, you absolutely, <laughs> you log them all. <laughs> You log them all. For one thing, are your thresholds in the right right place, right? 
right. is there a, a situation where you want to say, okay, if this happens five times in 10 minutes, then we're going to do something about it, but we're not going well, to like do Troy it Like Troy said, I, I like the idea of the governance kind of oh, part yeah. of event is you could actually say, well, shoot, we have to keep track of that event, even though we're not going to do anything with it because it's part of you know, a law that we have to keep these sort of things. Yeah, or, or it could be forensics, okay? I mean, again, for problem management, sometimes just the event data itself is very, very valuable. Hmm. There's one other thing I want to talk about, Chris. I keep talking about having these planned events, and so how do you plan for an event and who's involved in that conversation? And that's an important uh, factor, uh, critical success factor, is having both the people that do the instrumentation, well, not just both. You have to have the people that are involved in doing the instrumentation, the people that are responsible for the thing that's being instrumented, whether it's the application, the server, the SAN, the network, the storage, whatever. Um, that's probably the same people that are going to respond when the alert fires. They got to agree that they're going to respond when that sucker comes out, right? Uh, the incident management team has to be involved. The change management team has to be involved because when you start doing event management, you want to keep doing event management. So every change, there's a question. Are we putting in something that's going to be adequately instrumented or not? That's one of the now change requirements, right? The command center, the people that are monitoring the entire environment, they've got to agree to it. And let's not forget the customer who we're trying to serve the whole time. Is this going to satisfy, they think, from their perspective? Now, sometimes a, you know, a deep, deep technical thing is not going to be something they get involved in, but certainly the application response time and availability criteria are going to be – those events are something they're really going to want to have something to say about so all those parties have to agree on every single one of these things. And you, there's test cycles they're all inv involved in. All this is explained in some additions to the ITIL background on event management that we've written in our design documents. Yeah, he's referring to Pink Atlas. Yeah. Our, our library of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Insert plug here. Yep. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I, I love this. I, yeah, I – uh, I think financial management was my favorite show, and I told Troy that. But everyone always says, you always say that's your favorite show. But I'm saying no, finance, finance. I don't know why financial management. It was a good show. I'm thinking I'm I'm starting to have a, a shine on event management. Well, th this, is a, this is the place where the resistors of the technology people and the heroes become the technology people at the same time. They lose their heroic effort in fixing stuff and getting patted on the back and giving free pizza because they did it. <laughs> And they come back to being – they actually ad advance to being the heroes that wrote the Constitution. So this is, this is more altruistic service management. Altruistic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Altruistic. That's right. Altruistic. Mm -hmm. So this is altruistic service management where we actually care for the welfare of, the, of, of service management more than ourselves. Exactly <laughs> right. There you go. Wow. W well done. Well, you know, it's, it's not practitioner radio because I'm pretty. All right. So uh, – <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Martin, I don't know if you know this, but we have a special, very, very special um, segment on the show. It's it's Troy's Thunderbolt Tip. Are you familiar with uh, uh, that part of the show? I know a little bit about it. I've I've heard the thunder from his office every once in a while. Ka chow. Yeah, he, he he's, he's right next to a Sioux Indian tribe, so that he oh, works okay. in concert with them okay. to make that happen. Okay, that's actually Lakota. Lakota. Know. Okay. Yeah, the Sioux was what everybody else called them because that was the because they were the enemy. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Yeah. So now, now we've become the politically correct. There you go, practitioner. Right. So, Mark, can I put you on the spot just for a moment? Mm -hmm. Today, folks, it's Martin's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day. No unknown events are permitted to fire in production. 
you want reverb on that? Uh, I, we, we just got that. Because uh, I, I know for a fact that that was so thunderous that it reverberated on its own. <laughs> Martin, what what an amazing Thunderbolt tip. I think you could not have put that at the beginning of the show without understanding. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid our, our time is up. Well, that's uh, that's okay. It's uh, we, We've got another event to fire here shortly. Next week, IT service continuity because it feeds right into it. Yeah, yeah, perfect, Martin. Um, w- would you consider coming back? I know you're very busy, but oh, you're, you're brilliant. I I love being on practitioner radio because I like I think practitioners are the people that make the money. Woo! Money, 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 money. <laughs> uh, your, your IT for the free. Your, what was that, Troy? What did we do last week? It was uh, m- money for nothing and your IT for free. There you go. All right, hey, this has been practitioner radio with Chris uh, and my faithful and always oh so intelligent co-host Mr. Troy Dumoulin and today's special guest Mr. Martin Herb and we'll see you next time on Practitioner Radio thanks everyone bye thank you cheers cheers